Random Rambles with Rob podcast is dropping on Father's Day. And I like to say to my father, Eugene Robinson Sr., happy Father's Day. And sir, because of you, you have birthed many of men who would go on to be fathers in their own right. So for all of those that you had a hand in getting to this earth and being my brothers, I like to say happy Father's Day to all of them. Um, Also, on my mother's side of the family tree, I have my brothers over there and I love you all and I want to wish you a happy Father's Day as well. And because of all these men that have been birthed on either side of the family tree, you have produced offspring that would go on to be fathers as well. And some of them, which are my nephews who babysat me as a child, even though I was your uncle, happy Father's Day to you as well. And to all those in the military that I had the honor and privilege of serving with, happy Father's Day to you and yours. Um, And everybody that I met through the realm of podcasting, I like to wish you a happy Father's Day and to your fathers as well, a happy Father's Day. Even though you may be on the outs, I'm not speaking to anybody specific, but if a shoe fits, wear it. Even though you may be on the outs with your father, if that's what you want to call him, um, still, it is a day of remembrance to whether he did some bad shit or some good shit because his antics got you here. You are able to live a life of leisure and whatever it is that you're going through because of that man. And if you still don't avow that you have a father, you know, thank your heavenly father. If you don't believe in Jesus and God and all that other stuff, uh, thank whatever process that you believe got you here. You, you, somebody's your daddy, goddammit. And today is Father's Day and you're going to recognize. So on behalf of myself, once again, to everyone, my father, my brothers, my military brethren, my podcast fam, everybody. Happy Father's Day. You have one unheard message. First unheard message. Hey, it's Hoppy again. I got a good idea for a movie. <clears throat> it's a movie, right? Not real life. Just an idea, a script, a plot. What if somebody bought a laptop they ain't never used and a cell phone they ain't never used and then set up a VPN and then got on Bobbit, which is not legal in the United States? According to Bobbit, they, 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 you can use it. It's legal, but they they choose not to allow anybody in the U.S. to use it because there's too many regulations. <clears throat> but if you get a VPN and make it look like you're in Germany, you can use it, and then you can do leverage margin trading, and then you make a bunch of money because in uh, the middle of July, everything's going up, especially Bitcoin and Ethereum, and then around September the 28th. To October the 5th, it's going to peak and it goes back down. So you can literally ride this wave with $1,000 and then put 50x leverage on it. So you you, you got $50,000 going up. And then once it hits the peak, you can take $1,000 and do 50 times leverage and put $50,000 on it. And it's going down. And on Bybit, hell, you can do 100 times leverage. And I wouldn't advise you to do that. That's real risky. But uh, all I'm saying is the ride up and the ride down can make everybody rich. Why wouldn't you do it?
Why wouldn't you do it? As long as you pay the taxes, the IRS don't care. If you don't pay the taxes, uh, you're a criminal and a dumbass. But, but, but if you pay your taxes, nobody's going to care and you're going to get rich. I'm telling you, Bitcoin and Ethereum, July the 15th, skyrocket. It may even be a week to two weeks before that, but somewhere in July, we're going up. And then somewhere around September the 28th to October the 15th, I'd say not that long, about the 5th. We're going down. You can ride it up and then ride it down, making money both ways. Why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you do that? Just pay your taxes. The IRS, the government will not care as long as you give them their money. Do it. Get a, a, a new laptop you ain't never used. Get a VPN, 20 bucks a month. Long Bitcoin and Ethereum in July and then short Bitcoin and Ethereum in October. You will get rich. And then just pay your taxes. It's that easy. And then the next three years, that's eh, a very long discussion. But you can do the same thing in 2025, four years from now. It, Bitcoin's a four-year cycle. Everything follows Bitcoin. I love y'all. It's Hoppy Rogers. I would love to come on the show and talk about this because we can all make money. And, and it's somewhat like Jordan Belfort and the Wolf of Wall Street, except you're not doing nothing illegal. It's legal. End of message. You are now listening to Random Ramblings with Rock. Yay! <laughs> yeah. Random. It's random. Random Ramblings with Rob. This is the anthem. Random. It's random. Random Ramblings with Rob. This is the anthem. Random. It's random. Random Ramblings with Rob. This is the anthem. Random. It's random. Random Ramblings with Rob. Are we hearing anything in this bitch? This is the anthem. God bless the child while he listen to some random. Fitting bars and stanzas, ripping mics, etc. Go against the y'all, you gotta know he Tony Danzig. That's B-Rob, he the boss MC God. Give you what you want every week with some deep dives. Revise everything you know about this podcast. We're trying to take over the world with this podcast. We're hitting your ears every week with the monsoon. We're broadcasting the sound clouds iTunes. The Twitch screams say random, what you gonna do? The Twitch screams say random, what you gonna do? Subscribe. Like, share, listen to the Random Ramblers with Rob podcast. If you're listening right now, you're welcome. What up, everybody? It's your boy B Rob, and I'm back with another edition of the Random Ramblers with Rob podcast. What up, everybody? This your boy B Rob, and I'm back with another edition of the Random Ramblers with Rob podcast. First and foremost, I'd like to thank you the listener, for coming back each and every week or however you listen to podcasts. If you're a first-time listener, I'd like to thank you oh so much for giving my show a try. And if anybody recommended you to me, I'd like for you to re- lean over and reach and give that person a crisp high five. But I understand that we're being socially conscious and we had a pandemic that was going on and everything. And you might not want to get up close on somebody and uh, touch hands and skin and all that stuff. I mean, if you do, do it uh, responsibly. Sanitize before. Hit that quick high five. Step back three to five feet, maybe six. Sanitize again, then go on about your business. But if you want to be super safe, go ahead and take your social media app of choice and send them a well-crafted DM telling them thank you for recommending you to me. Speaking of social media, you can find the Random Rounds with Rob on various social media platforms to include Twitter at 3R Show, Instagram at the 3R Show, 
You can find this interview amongst the many others on YouTube. Just search for Three R Show. And anything that I may have forgotten to mention, you can find on randomrob.com. You can find this cool shirt and possibly this cool hat representing for Pride Month and all that stuff. So, with that being said, I done got my business out of the way. You done heard the intro many, many times. And now I introduce my guests. I had to mull this around in my head a lot because, you know, I don't write this stuff down. I just kind of, because when you, you you bring it up, you speak from the heart. You know, you're just putting it from your heart to your mind and you come out your mouth hole and everything. So when I found out, I think it was around March 22nd, because that's when I sent the email. That's when I just checked it recently. Uh, I was watching professional wrestling. As you all know, I love oh so much. It's been a part of my life since as far back as I can remember. I was watching this young man. For those of you with the benefit of uh, the visuals for this uh, podcast, you can see the handsome gentleman and the most talented and beautiful young girl on that side of the earth sitting next to him. But for those of you listening, I have to describe what I saw. It wasn't the first time that I've seen him, but what made this guy shoot to the top of my favorites list is he was getting put over on commentary as being a former Marine. Now, that was cool. That was great because I too am a Marine. But what pissed me off about it is they said former Marine. First of all, if you know, you're in the know. Once a Marine, always a Marine. So it, it, it chapped my behind pretty pretty deeply that uh, what Paul Wright would say something like that. So I got beef with him automatically. Then once I found this out, like I said, shot to the top of my list as favorites, uh, I did some research. Started going back through old interviews and everything like that. Watching old matches and everything. And I revisited the first match that I ever saw him in. And that was in uh, New Japan for New Japan Strong. I seen that freaking Spider-Man tattoo in the center of his chest. And I was like, that's an odd choice. But hey, man, you love what you love. <laughs> and uh, I was like, okay, let me check this guy out. Then I watched him perform. I seen him do all manner of things. But that was not the first time that I seen this gentleman. Oddly enough, I was playing WWE 2K18, 19, something like that. And there was a creator character with the name of this man, similar tattoos. And I was like, this must be a creator wrestler for real. I don't, I never heard of this man or whatever. But flash forward to that New Japan show, I see the tattoos. I was like, wait a minute. That's that same guy. He is a real person. <laughs> so joining me, a man that I have never met in person, that I don't know personally, but I feel like I've known for years. I felt like that I have served alongside, that I have mentored, that I have learned from. Joining me is one, Danny Limelight. How are you, sir? Mi gente, what's going on, baby? Hey, we in the building. Me and my daughter, Khaleesi, we're here for this. Thank you so much for the introduction. Thank you so much for having me on your show. And it's funny that you bring up the 2K19 creator wrestler story because I did not create myself in the video game. Um, another fan had created me from that. They see me on the indies. Mm -hmm. I think it was 2K19. It was right after my Impact debut. Yeah. And they created me and they put me in the game and they sent me the pictures and stuff like that. And I thought that was cool. And fast forward two years later, now I'm in the AEW All Elite GM mobile app. 
I just got announced to be part of the, the virtual basement wrestle code, wrestle code game. So we making moves, man. I'm happy to be on your show, man. What's up, baby? Oh man, it's all good. And it's funny that you bring that up or whatever, because like legit, I was like, man, somebody made this guy up. This is just somebody's <laughs> creation that came out of their mind or whatever, because similar to what I would do, I'll just, I'll, I would make a frame that I, I think would look good. And I just slap all kind of tattoos on them because I have very many myself and whatnot. <laughs> But but speaking of that, uh, tattoos and whatnot, I yes. am Groot, huh? Yes, <laughs> I, have a, I have a I am Groot tattoo. I have the spider on my chest. I have a spider Spider Man tattoo right here. This like reverse mirror thing is messing me up. <laughs> I have a yeah over here. Yeah, I have a lot of random tattoos, but the Marvel ones are are uh, hit close to home because I I was a huge comic book fan growing up. Um, the I am Groot is my motivational quote, though. You know, it's my, uh, my, I could look at it and it could mean anything that I want it to mean every day. You know what I'm saying? So funny yeah. tattoos, random, uh, but they all, they all were, were put on me for a reason at the time. They Mostly they don't make sense now, probably to some oh. people. But I, I, <laughs> she, I, I, she, she laughs at them sometimes, but you know, they, they, they're me. They're part of me. Yeah, I completely understand or whatever. I mean, if I could go back in time, I wouldn't so much yeah. uh, erase these things, but I would uh, make some adjustments for sure. <laughs> Same. I, I'm 100% with you on that right there. Yeah, because it, it all comes with independence and everything. Because I remember um, getting my first job and dad going to make my own money for the first time and everything. And I see people that I would hang out with, just, like they had tattoos. I mean, some of them were older or whatever, but they can get it legally. And I was just like, I want tattoos for whatever reason, just so I can be in with the cool crowd. And then <laughs> I went with one of my friends to get his, he was getting a tattoo and I went in with him and I was chatting it up with the freaking, um, the guy that owned the tattoo shop or one of the tattoo artists. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, 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 man. When I come in, I'm gonna get this and this and this and whatever. And he knew by me coming with the guy all the time that I was underage. So um, a couple weeks later, I'm working at Spencer's Gifts in the mall and I'm just sitting there, I'm doing my thing behind the register. And your boy at the tattoo shop, he walk up in there with his little kid. And um, I'm sitting there behind the register. I was like, oh, this is a dude from the tattoo shop. He come in there, we chatting it up and everything. He put his stuff on the counter. And his uh, daughter was sitting behind the counter with him. And she was like, oh, look, Pokemon cards. Because Pokemon cards was popping back then. Yeah, yeah. And um, he's like, yeah, how much for a pack of Pokemon cards? And I put it on the counter. I was like, I forgot how much it was. But he was like, whoa, baby, we're going to get you some Pokemon cards another time. These are pretty expensive. So manager left, went, went in the back. I'm ringing up his stuff. I was like, your total is twenty one fifty five. Then I reached behind the counter. I grab a whole rack of Pokemon cards. I just throw them in the bag. And I was like, have a nice day. Hell so yeah. he looked down in the bag. He looked at me. He's like, come by the shop. <laughs> So that's when tattoo one turned into tattoo three, tattoo four, five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> that's a cool story, though, man. Because I hooked them up. That's a cool story. Now, what I say when um, I've served with, I've I've known, I've been mentored by people like you in the military. Uh, I heard a lot of your stories that you told about uh, why you joined, <laughs> which yeah. wasn't really a reason anyway. It was just almost like a dare, almost. Yeah, almost. Almost like a challenge. Yeah. And um, 
just some of the trials and tribulations that you've been through within the military and, you know, which kind of almost, which led to you um, leaving. And yeah. I was just like, I was listening to the stories that you was telling on, um, I think the military influencer or some other podcast yeah. and everything. Veteran, veteran influences. Yeah. There you go. Veteran influences. And I was just like, I was like, yeah, I, I know this dude. It's just like, I, I've been that guy. I've been in those situations and I, I'm familiar with the story, just being close to uh, people and uh, mentoring them and talking to them and everything. Right. But um, some of the things that I wanted to talk about, you trained while you were still on active duty service. And how, how was that working out for you? Yeah, it was random. Um, but I was so good with time management that I was just literally leaving work and driving to go train, you know, and then I would come home sore, banged up tried to at the time she was four months old so i was trying to be a dad too and i was married at the time so i was trying to be a husband it was just so much and then i would wake up do it all over again man. and then i'd be you know monday through fridays in uniform and then saturdays and sundays and friday nights you know in underwear you know traveling trying to wrestle so it was a, a challenging journey but it was fun man it was it was an experience and it was something that I had love for a passion, so it was easy. Almost. It felt easy. You know, it, it didn't feel like, oh, I got to go do this because I wanted to do it. It was it was just grab and go, you know? Yeah. Now, um, so you're on the drill field as well. Yes. Now, <laughs> I was at Paris Island. I was not a drill instructor. I was a black shirt instructor. So we was out there for BWT, the Repel Tower, the Crucible. Yep. You know, we were there doing those events. Yeah. And listen to you, listening to you tell those stories about things that you did on the drill field and whatnot, I was just like, that makes sense to me. <laughs> because a lot, a lot of the times, um, especially being a black shirt instructor or whatever, we had to save some of the drill instructors from themselves. <laughs> I can remember vividly uh, for it because I worked event one on the crucible or whatever. I, I forget the, uh, I don't know how different they vary from um, West Coast to East Coast, but uh, event one, you know, they do the low crawl through the tunnel, they go over the walls, they go under the freaking uh, Bob wire. We playing the freaking soundtrack to yeah. goddamn Saving Private Ryan all got doggone day and it's yeah. getting on my nerves. And every time I see that movie, I think about event one. When, when were you there? I was there. From, I think, I went to, I went back to Lejeune in 2013, I believe, or, or 2012. So I was there from 2009, in the area at least. I was there from 2006 to 2009 on um, the air station in Beaufort. Then I went right across the street to Paris Island. So I was there from 2009 to about 2012, I think. You know what's crazy is I was on Paris Island as a recruit in 2009. So oh. you might have been you might have been one of the black shirts playing the Saving Private Ryan when my drone shirt was slaying my ass on that course. <laughs> I had um I was third battalion Mike Company. Okay. Uh, I had Staff Sergeant Eddins was my senior drone instructor. You know Staff Sergeant Donnelly, Staff Sergeant Childs, and Sergeant Askew were my other instructors, and they destroyed us on the Crucible, man. Um, so I was a parasite on recruit. I was a San Diego drone instructor, and so you know the stories that you've heard and there's plenty more stories that I've never told and stories that I can't tell, you yes. know, of, of the shit that went down as a drone instructor. But 
man, what what an experience it was to just be able to mow through the fire, 350 plus Marines, you know, take them from day one as a recruit all the way to graduation as a Marine and seeing the, uh, how proud their family was and stuff like that and seeing how much of a changed person they became. And even now seeing their journey on Facebook and things like that, some of our recruits now are sergeants going to be drill instructors. So it's, it's insane. Yeah. And the, the allure of the drill instructor as well, because not only have I got to work alongside of uh, drill instructors and see them do their work or whatever, I have a small, minute uh, place in their training because they come see me at the repel tower because I ran the repel tower. So I, it's, it's crazy because I see them before they actually don the hat and you know be that yeah. drill instructor at the repel tower. And a lot of them aren't the same because they come there and they just, they holding that rope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're getting in the L and everything, getting ready to run down that wall. And they just, <laughs> and then I see them about a, week or two later and then they out there yelling and being hardcore and stuff. I was like, yeah. you was up here trembling and knocking your knees the other week. It's like that you say that when I was when I was in Diasco, so I graduated uh, number one out of Diasco. I was an honor graduate from Diasco. And as a drone instructor, I, I was even before the Marine Corps and even during the Marine Corps before the rest, like I was always super athletic, super, you know, shit like high like high risk taker. Like I live for that adrenaline shit. And so as a drone instructor, my, my chiefs, my seniors, like the XOs and the, the uh, series commanders, whenever they needed somebody to like demonstrate repel, demonstrate the obstacle courses, the confidence courses, because the drone instructors are afraid of the A-frame, you know, they're afraid of like certain things, you know, some people have fear of heights. I always was the, the rabbit. I was always the one, okay, you know, Staff on Rivera, go, go test this out, go demonstrate what it's supposed to look like because I was so good at that stuff. And so I would always go up there and set the bar of what it's like to run through the course and things like that. And so it, it was, it's crazy, but there, there were some drill instructors where they were like, Hey, you know, you're going to go, you're going to demonstrate the A-frame today. And they're like, Oh man, just have Rivera do it. He does it way better. You know, like, they would just have <laughs> that way. you know, if I fly through it real fast, the recruits see it and they're like, Oh shit. You know, like, and then when they go up and they're struggling, it makes them respect the drill instructors more. Yeah, I, just the uh, the knowledge of uh you know be, getting to be, be able to peek behind the curtain of what the drill instructor actually has to go through before he becomes a drill instructor, especially the freaking uh the junior and everything and whatnot. It's right. just the hazing continues after, <laughs> you know, even even though uh, you already put the campaign cover on and whatnot, and just watching some of that stuff, I was like, man, I've seen some drill instructors get treated worse than recruits at time and I was like, God damn. That's the uh that's that's the, the, the crappy part about things is that you know there's there's still always gonna be those bullies, those people that are gonna, you know, try to use their their power or their rank or their, you know, where they are in a company mm-hmm. to, to try to like bully other people and make other people feel less of themselves. I never let it get to me. I always let it go in one ear out the other. I brush it off, keep grinding. Mm-hmm. Um I just try to treat people how I want to be treated, you know. Yeah. So being a teacher of many, you know, being a drill instructor, being a Marine Corps martial arts instructor, being a corporal course instructor, you know, last couple seminars. I mean, you, you ran the gamut to, uh, to teach and uh, sharpen these yeah. uh, th- these tools for the Marine Corps and whatnot. Yes. For me personally, when I was uh, getting ready to re- get out, um, they sent me back to my schoolhouse. I'm transportation. I'm motor T. 
So I had to go to Fort Linwood, Missouri, the place where I was trained to be a motor T operator. And I thought, I think, I think the, that was probably all the places I've been the best duty station besides it being in a shitty geographical location. Yeah. <laughs> uh, probably one of the best places that I've been because I got to get them when they got done with training and I was like their last leg before they went into the fleet. So what I enjoyed about teaching was getting them before they made that crucial step into pretty much adulthood and yes. be like, Hey man, I was here 16 years ago, same place that you were sitting right now. I mean, upgraded of course. And just telling them, Hey man, you go, if you're getting stationed in Lejeune, watch out for this car lots, watch out for daggone driftwood yeah. right out the front gate, uh, all these things and everything. So what I asked to you is, you know, what was it like? What was the feelings that you were getting, you know, teaching and leading all these Marines and stuff? So for me, I, I just, for some reason, I, I always had that natural born leader in me. You know, I always had that, 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 that leadership instinct, wanting to be in the front, wanting to, to set the bar, wanting to, you know, create the example for others to emulate. And I think that as a Marine, it was easy for me because I was in shape, physically fit. My uniforms always looked tight. I got two haircuts a week. I shaved my face every day. Um, I was squared away, locked on. I, I knew all my knowledge, you know what I'm saying? So when when I was, you know, a sergeant, before I went to go be a drone instructor, it was the first time that I taught corpus course. And before I was a sergeant as a corporal, I had started to become a volunteer youth sports coach. So I was coaching the youth on Camp Pendleton. I coached basketball and baseball for four summers. And in my last year of coaching, I coached my daughter's baseball team. That was the last team I ever coached. So I, I always loved to coach, to teach, to mentor, to inspire. So then when I went to go be a drone instructor and I was getting these kids fresh off of high school, you know, from the ages of 18 to 27 or whatever it was. I think, well, I think one time we had a recruit that was like 20, like that was like 30 or something like that. I think the, the cap was 30 at the time. Can't fully remember. But all these recruits and now I'm, some of them are 17, 18, fresh out of high school, don't know any better. Some of them are in their 20s, so they're grown and they still don't know any better. Now we're trying to break, trying to break them down, build them back up, you know, and it was just, for me, it was like a responsibility to set them up for success, teach them everything I did, teach them, you know, and if I look at, you know, all my recruits that I taught that were in my platoon specifically, they're doing amazing things in the Marine Corps, man. I could name them off, you know, Hollis, Moore, you know, uh, Jimenez, Colorado. Let's just naming these random recruits that I like, and they were my squad leaders, my guides, you know, Harrington, Edwards. Um, there's a few that I remember because they were, I knew they were going to be good. And then they actually went on to be great, you know, and then, you know, even helping other drone instructors, teaching the new drone instructors that came like last, like, uh, I don't know when this is going to air, but this past weekend, you know, one of my first, we used to call them Bobbies when they were new drones. They were like the Bobby, but um, his name is Harrison, last name is Sean. He, you know, I, he was, he was a brand new drone that He was in my platoon. At the time I was the, 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 the kill knowledge hat. So I was teaching the knowledge and destroying recruits. And, you know, that cycle, my senior was Staff Sergeant Sanchez. We had Staff Sergeant Warren teaching drill and it was me and then him. And we won everything. We, we that that cycle, we, we, we took, we took, we took knowledge. We took PT, both of them. We took CFTs, you know, best house like we, we we killed it that cycle and he was i taught him everything he went on to be a chief you know he did 10 cycles as a drone instructor so he, he he made way more marines than i did 
And he came up this week and we went out to the club, got some drinks. We just reminiscing and vibing. And so not only did I teach recruits, I taught drone instructors. I helped drone instructors. I never went to go to drone instructor school, you know, but but I taught the drone instructors that were new into the company. You know what I'm saying? And then going back to the fleet after all the knowledge that I gained as a drone instructor to go to teach Lance Corpus seminars, to teach corpus courses, to go be the the you know the, the honor graduates out of staff academy to teach those my peers and mentor my peers and then my my marines and my freaking platoon itself making them all meritorious marines you know i had one marine she was a pfc quiles um she was a, a puerto rican mexicana chick from the bay area but when i met when i came to the shop like i knew she was tight i knew she wanted to like do amazing things in the marine corps she went from pfc to sergeant in a year and a half all meritorious because she just listened to everything that I told her and she just grinded and worked her ass off. And now she's making, you know, she's, she actually had, this is the crazy part. So she was my, my, like my, my ace, you know, I could count on her for everything. She was grinding, getting promoted, teaching, inspiring the, 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 the younger Marines. And now she's about to go be a drone instructor. And I know she's going to go make amazing Marines because of the shit that she learned from me and just who she is as an individual. So I just, I love that feeling of being able to teach, coach, mentor, inspire, um, and, and just, you know what I'm saying? Like in the Marine Corps, you get, you meet all types of people. Some of them don't want to be there. Some of them have to be yeah. there because they're trying to get to the next level in their life or whatever the case may be. But if you can, you know, inspire five people in your career and then those five inspire five who inspire five. Now you're creating a, a, a I like to call it like a, a family tree that stems from who you were as a leader. You know, and for me, it's always going to be, you know, my drone shirts were the first ones. And then, you know, what they instilled in me, whatever I liked, I kept, whatever I didn't, I threw away. And then I brought that with me to who I am. And over the years, it evolves, it changes, it never stops. And all the Marines that I inspire, and I'm sure that I've inspired way more than five Marines. <laughs> way more than five Marines. Not only did I inspire like the Marines that I wear in my platoons as a drone instructor, I would go to other companies, other platoons, and I would I would destroy their recruits, you know, that they would see me in the fleet and be like, oh, you were in my drone instructor. But I remember you came to my squad bay and you destroyed the house because we weren't screaming loud enough. You know, so it was always about leaving a legacy that will be bigger than you when you're gone. Mm -hmm. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. Word. So what I can remember about my career, because I did 16 years and by the grace of the man upstairs, <laughs> um, I just got back from Afghanistan and they were plussing down because we were drawing back. So I went I went to Afghanistan as part of the retrograde to bring the gear back and all kind of stuff like that. And when we got back, they were just like, uh, we got too many of y'all. So anybody who is over 15 years but under 20, you can retire early. Yeah. I was like, well, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. First of all, because I, I knew what I knew what uh I knew what the vert package was. Some of them will get out early so they can go to school and stuff. And, you know, yeah, they yeah. come with severance and they just kick them the, the hell out. But they was like, if you're over 15 and under 20, you can retire. I was like, retire? I mean, what do you mean retire? I mean, do you mean like I can draw a pension and, you know, <laughs> medical benefits and things like that? There's like, yes, sir, you can retire. I was like, so I look at my LES and all that stuff. I was like, shit, I'm over 15. I'm under 20. Uh. Can I go, please? Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> so they hit me with the the papers and everything. And I was just like, shit, I'm out. <laughs> you know? And it was just like a, a jarring thing or whatever. You did your time, though. Yeah, but it was jarring as hell because, you know, I grew up in a military family. So 
Like, unlike you, it wasn't a dare for me. It wasn't, and it wasn't pushed on me as well. It was more like I grew up around this. My father, my brothers, my sisters, cousins, nieces, nephews, all of us have gravitated to the Marine, Marine Corps, Navy, Army, some branch of the military somehow, some way. So growing up as a kid, being way younger than all my brothers and sisters, all freaking, what, there's 18 of us, <laughs> and I'm the baby. Yeah. So I grew up with that in my life, and I was going against the grain at first. I was just like, nah, I ain't joining the military. Everybody in the military. Why well, am I going to do what everybody else is doing? And right. then as it got time to graduate, I wouldn't do it until hot in school, <laughs> and I just didn't have a plan. And then, you, you can feel me on this, I got somebody pregnant. <laughs> so I was I like, you on that. So I was like, well, Spencer's gifts and uh, working at this casino in this little bum-ass town that I'm from ain't going to work. I was like, military's option. I done seen it my whole life, man. They get free base housing. You know, they get paid. You know, they can buy Camaros and stuff with the money that they get. You know? I've had four. You 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 fit the criteria. You you was made to be a marine buying Camaro. <laughs> then you wanted a G wagon too, right? I had, I had a 2012, a 2015, a 2017. And I got the 2021 drop top. Mm-mm-mm. I love them. It's my favorite car. You still gonna get the G wagon? Um, I I want a G wagon some days, and some days I want a Range. So <laughs> it's gonna be one of those two for sure. Yeah. So I I join up. With the intention of, hey man, I'm gonna do this till I'm done, till I can't do it anymore. And as you know, you go in optimistic, bright eyed, bushy tail, you step on them footprints, and you're just like, this is life. I'm ready for this. Yeah, you're ready to rock. And then uh, you get about past that first enlistment, about seven years in, and you're like, I don't know if I got the rest of this in me, dog. <laughs> and it was just, that's kind of what it was, because no lie, around year 12, I was about to hang it up. Like, I lost all motivation. I was just like, I just didn't like where I was stationed. I just like, I, I just wanted to quit. I was going to walk away probably about 10, 12 years, no pension or nothing, just walk away, because yeah. I was that fed up with it. I was like, well, hell, maybe a change of scenery and a reenlistment, a change my mind. So I did that, and as soon as I did it, poof, you know, Deployment. <laughs> Deployment kind of motivated me. Then I came back, got done with it. And there was just like, uh, you can either go to Hawaii or you can go to Fort Lindenwood, Missouri and be an instructor. I was like, Ugh, Hawaii sounds nice. There's like, but, 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 but wait, there's more. You go to Hawaii. As soon as you get there, you're deploying. I was like, shit, I just got back. Uh, Fort Lindenwood it is. And then what brings it back around to that, my wife was in the Army. That's where they go to boot camp and do their AIT and all that other stuff at in Fort Lindenwood, Missouri. Prior to meeting me, she's like, she swore to herself that she would never go back to Fort Lindenwood, Missouri. And years later, she would marry a Marine that would take her back to Fort Lindenwood, Missouri. (laughs) Full circle. Circle of life. But, yeah. Shenanigans. I want to kind of breeze through some things because I know your time is a little bit limited and whatnot. No worries. Man. This is the first time I actually have a podcast where I talk mostly military stuff, so it's kind of cool. Oh, man. Because as soon as I knew, I knew we had to talk. But the last thing I'm going to get on before we kind of transition into wrestling a little bit, 
my last, uh, not one of my last, but one of my lasting memories of uh, Paris Island. I was on duty at uh, SDO. And um, a part of that, we had the rifle range right across from the duty hut. So when the, uh, the temperature change would come up, I had to go run the flags up the flagpole and everything, you know, black flag, all the other crap, right? Yeah. So, you know, once it's black flag, you can only IT so much. Yeah. <laughs> so right. here I am, I'm going to range the range, putting the flags up, putting the black flags up, putting the black flags up. And right. I come around the barracks and they had a flagpole in the pit. And it was, it was good. It was still good conditions for thrashing the uh, recruit. And here I am, I'm get, I'm, I pull up in the van, AC blasting, music blasting, I'm chilling. Da, 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 da. And I look across the parade deck and there was just one recruit running full speed, just sprinting. And there was a drill instructor right behind him yelling. Ah! I don't know what he was saying. You know how that, that garbled yell is, just ah! And I see him running all the way across the parade deck. And I'm just sitting there with the 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 freaking black flag in my hand, getting ready to run it up. And I'm just looking at it and I'm just in amazement. I was like, I never get tired of seeing a drill instructor thrash a recruit. And um, he's getting closer to me and I'm just like, oh crap. And I look down, I was like, oh shit, I got the black flag. And he see, the, and I'm standing in the pit with the flag, getting ready to run it up. And he know once I put that black flag up, he can't thrash this recruit no more. So I look at him, he look at me, the recruit just thinking he saved, right? Rolled up the flag, put it in my pocket, got back in the van. <laughs> <laughs> Let him thrash the hell out of that dude for a good 10 minutes. Good, because the recruit probably deserved it. The recruit probably needed that training, you know what I'm saying? For, for however nah. long we're allowed to thrash recruits, <laughs> intensively train them, is what we should say. Um, he probably deserved it. Drone instructors, you know, we... We make sure that when we're doing things, we do it the right way. We want to make sure that we train recruits accordingly with the, you know, standard operating procedures of the recruit training order, whichever way you were looking at it. Back then it was the RT, uh, the SOP, now it's the RTO. So it, the recruit needed it. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure the recruit's looking back now, wherever he's at, like, man, this one time, you know what I'm saying? This guy put the flag in his pocket and went away. But <laughs> I learned this very important lesson during that time. <laughs> oh, man. It's all so, fun, man. It's all it's all love, man. We 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 give 13 weeks, seven days a week, 22 hour days to these recruits every day until they graduate, and then we get a week off. If we're lucky, and then we're back at it again. But you know, so it does get to us sometimes the heat, the sweat, the lack of food, the lack of hydration as a drone instructor. But we still keep the Marine Corps mission in mind. So yeah, word life. Now going back just through your catalog of professional wrestling and everything. Yes. There was a one match in particular that I found. I I, for, I forget what the name of the promotion was. I know it was like Fist or something like that. Um, you were the champion there, and you had a match with uh, Sammy Guevara in twenty nineteen. Yeah, in twenty nineteen. So this match was hilarious to me, just because of the banter with the patrons inside the um, the establishment that that you had to match. It. And then I look at that Danny Limelight compared to the one that's sitting in front of me, the one that I see recently here on TV week to week. Uh, that that was that was still Marine, you boy. Yeah, damn, I, I, I could see it in your face. I mean, it was just smooth yeah. as hell. The haircut was crisp, and it was just like 
the way you are now that I, you know, that I've get to get to see, you know, on TV recently yeah. compared to that guy that I saw then. I mean, you still had a little bit of that uh, that DI in you there. <laughs> yeah, because I had just left the drone for I had just left drone for the duty. You know, uh, it was a very different person back then. It was, but man, what a match that was with Sammy Guevara! Imagine if we were able to do that today, somewhere big. You know what I'm saying? Like it would be insane. But back then, you know, I, I was I was I think 147 pounds, maybe 150, mm-hmm. and I. And I was after trying to get my weight back up. As a drone instructor, I weighed 135 pounds. That's how malnourished I, I was. Don't, I don't doubt it. <laughs> yeah, so that match was a fun match. It was my first time wrestling Sammy Guevara. Um, and after the match, you know, he says that it's going to happen again someday, somewhere big because I'm that good. And, you know, I, I, I asked Sammy about that, like about maybe two weeks ago, the last time I saw him. And I was like, do you remember this? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, you remember what you said? And he was like, yeah, I meant that shit, bro. Like, to me, that was Sammy's a dope dude, man. And that was that was a that was a that was a fun match. And I hope we get to do it again someday. Word. I mean, shit, you hit on everything that I was about to ask you. I was going. <laughs> I was like, how was that after? You know? Yeah. But um, a couple of things that I want to hit up. Um, not only you know when you teach, you also learn, especially uh, you know if you have a boo boo mentor or you know leader. You know, you learn from them, too. You learn from their mistakes and, you know, their poor leadership style and whatnot. Yeah. Getting into professional wrestling and, you know, having all these different peers and, you know, some that are senior to you, some of that, you know, that are your equal or some of that are even learn, learn, uh, younger than you in the wrestling business. Um, you learn from everyone. So I'm going to name off some names because uh, of people that you have mat- had, have had matches with and. I want you to talk a little bit about it and let us know what you've learned in that instance. You already touched on a little bit with uh, Sammy Guevara or whatever. So that was one of the names that I had. But another one, uh, John Moxley. I wrestled him twice, man. I wrestled him in the main event of Elevation, and I wrestled him in one of the four main events of Elevation the following week with Eddie Kingston. What I will say is that John Moxley is one of the best wrestlers in the world. Um, and he brought out the dog fight in me. I felt like that singles match was a fight. I felt like I was fighting death. I said it. It's like, it's like looking death in the mirror and saying, you know, looking death in the eyes and saying, not today. You know, um, he's the deaf rider. He's, he's amazing human being. Congratulations again on, on his baby on the way. I wish him and his wife, Renee, the very best. Um, I learned so much from that match with John. Word. Uh, Fuego del Sol. Right? That's what he does, the tornado DDT or whatever. Um, that was my first win on in AEW. Um, I learned that uh I was a winner. I learned that I learned that, you know, I can take out, you know, I, I, I did a lot of moves in that match with Fuego that I can't do with a lot of people because of the size, the weight, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I learned in that match that I can be aggressive. I can be more aggressive. I can take over a match. I can, you know, I can put the heat on somebody and really beat them down for, you know, six to eight minutes, man. And and Fuego's a great dude, dude. He's super talented. So hopefully this this, you know, his career takes off soon in the right direction. He gets that contract that he deserves. Word. Ray Phoenix. <sighs> Luke shot, bro. Animo. That's my boy, man. Shout out to Ray Phoenix, one of my best friends in the business. You know, uh, shout out to his new his new star, his brother Penta, Mass Republic. Um, I learned a lot in that match. You know, just 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 
just, you know, I, what, I, what I learned in that match is that I could hang with the best luchador in the universe right now. That's the one thing I learned. I learned that I could go his style and compete at the highest level with him. Um, and I learned that, you know, after the match, you know, we had some words in the back. And, and, I, and it just made me love that dude that much more, man. Word. Brian Cage. The machine. Who better, right? Who better than Cage? Um, Brian's actually the man responsible for getting me over to AEW. A lot of people don't know this. He he put in a good word for me to, to get me a chance. Um, it was the first match that I had that kind of made me stand out to the right people. Um, and it actually happened in front of a crowd um, right before Dynamite kicked off. It was like the dark back before Dynamite. Um, and it was a five-minute match, and I felt like I felt like it was one of the best five-minute matches this last year. Um, I learned a lot. You know, he's a, he's a huge dude, man. He's super strong. I learned how to get out of a lot of things and, and to fight, you know, fight from the from the ground up, basically. Brian Cage is a great dude. Shout out to him and his wife, Melissa, and their beautiful little girl. Mm-hmm. I had him on the show, um, I think, right after she had the baby. So that was cool. All right. The last one I got on my list, TJP. Oh, man. I've wrestled TJP a few times now. We've had two singles matches, one on the independent scene right after he left WWE, and then one on my New Japan debut. Mm-hmm. TJ, TJ, TJ is a mentor of mine in the business. He's also one of my good friends. Um, I talk to TJ a lot. I text him. I whoop his ass and cut Pong on the phone. Um, and I hit him about questions, things going on. I check on him, you know, see how – Aria's doing with her belly. You know, they got a baby on the way, so blessings to TJ. But I, what I learned from TJ Perkins is that that was the first match where I was like, that I felt, I was like, I can do this for a living, and I can wrestle the best. Um, he's one of the best wrestlers in the world, super, super underrated. A lot of people, you know, may not like him or do like him. There's like very far and yeah. near between. He doesn't, he doesn't care about any of that. All he cares about is his business, and he cares about teaching those that want to be taught. You know, it's yeah. like he's somebody that I can hit up for ideas, that critique my matches. I remember um, before we even wrestled at New Japan, I had texted him, and I was like, hey, man, can you watch this match and give me a critique? And he watched the whole match. It was like a 15-minute match, and he broke it down, you know, basically almost by the minute mark for me. I've learned, I've learned a lot from him, man. Even in New Japan, when, you know, I'm stepping into that Cerulean, Cerulean Blue, and I'm wrestling TJ Perkins in my debut – and we, we had a banger, you, you know, it was, it was definitely one of my favorite matches in a long time. And TJ's great, man. He told me one time, he's like, you can't always hit a home run. Sometimes you got to take the walk and steal home. And that stuck with me forever. And then he had another time he told me, um, everybody in this business can eat without taking off anybody else's plate. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of person that he is, man. He loves his business and, and, and he wants to help all those around him. And I'm super grateful for TJ Perkins. Word. So, man, yeah, I mean, good shit. So, I mean, amongst being a professional wrestler, uh, I'm not going to say former Marine, former drill instructor, former map instructor. That's the only former that we can put in, on that. Vicky Guerrero, <laughs> got daggone I Excalibur. Love, I love. Got, we, he ain't a former Marine, goddammit. <laughs> so, daggone... Um, there's more to you than that. I mean, you're writing movies, you're writing short films, you're doing national commercials, you're putting your daughter on, she's doing commercials and everything. Yeah. I mean, you're doing mocap for video games, 
you've done stunt work for movies and all this stuff. I mean, there's so many dimensions and layers to Danny Limelight. And on top of that, at one point in time, you're on four different shows week to week yes. doing professional wrestling. So with all this success that you've had thus far, you know, still relatively being young in your professional wrestling career, um, what do you feel is next? You know? Because, I mean, it's just like they they front-loaded you up front. It was just like, here, have the John Moxley match up here. Here, have the Kenny Omega match up here. here. Have all this stuff up front. I mean, once you have all those big moments and things or whatever, I mean, there's still room for improvement. But everything's up front. I mean, what's next? <laughs> the world, Chico, and everything mm-hmm. in it. I'm never hungry. I mean, excuse me. I'm never satisfied. I'm always hungry. Um, there's still so much more. Yeah, they gave. I've had a lot of great opponents, some of the best in the universe up front. Um, there's still so many more people that I want to wrestle. There's still so many more companies that I want to wrestle at. There's still so many other things that I want to do, like PWG, you know, like just on the top of my head. I want to be, you know, in, in a Marvel movie. You know what I'm saying? I want to I want to I want to do it all. And I, I want to be in a movie with my daughter, you know, like mm-hmm. like 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 a Hollywood blockbuster film. I just, there's so many things that I want to do in life. I want to write a book, you know, that I've just been starting to put thoughts together for that. Um, I'm a very ambitious dude and and Mm -hmm. there's still so much more in this life that I want to accomplish before it's all said and done. So I got works to do. You feel me? (laughs) Word. I mean, that's what this originally started out as, is this podcast was, was a book idea. And I was just like, I don't like writing. I was sitting in front of the keyboard so much. I was like, why don't I just talk about what I did? And then here we are, five and some change later, still doing this stuff. You know? That's how it but, is. Start with a dream. It was all a dream. I used to read for the magazines. <laughs> yeah. But man, I wish we had a little more time. I know you got some things that you got to do. I got some appointments I got to be to. But it's been a pleasure just to chat with you, be in your presence. Uh, get to know you a little bit better. And, uh, man, I wish you the best in oh, everything man. that you and your baby girl are doing, man. Rob, thank you so much for having me on your show, man. It's been a blast just reminiscing through the Marine Corps times and stuff like that. And uh, I appreciate everybody listening at home. For those of you that are, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Danny Limelight. Check out ProWrestlingTees.com backslash Danny Limelight for all my merchandise. Check out Cameo.com backslash Danny Limelight for any personal videos you may need. Me gente! Till next time. Word. Hello, everybody. This is Hoppy. What's up, everybody? I'm over here cooking dinner with hooks, rubs, and spices. Uh, B-Rob turned me on to this stuff, and I tell you what, it's great. It's a homemade blend of the finest ingredients sourced from Texas gardens, farmers, and markets. And it's some good shit. I tell you what, try the smoking sweetness, or you can try Hoppy's favorite, the mad cow which is a nice peppery slap in the face. One taste and you'll be hooked. Hooks, rubs, and spices.